our minds are very powerful. And if we continue to tell ourselves we're not worthy, then we will think we're not worthy. But sometimes it's as simple as going for a walk or drinking some more water or just minor changes to our diet that really have a profound effect on our whole being. Join us for another episode as we talk more about this. All right, welcome everyone to another episode of the Get Over It Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Christopher Fasano. We have another great guest and episode today. Before we begin, if you're enjoying the show, please remember to subscribe to your favorite pod player, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or even YouTube if you prefer to watch these videos, these episodes in video format. Leave us a review, it'll really help the show and let us know what you think of the show and how we can improve the show. So our guest on today's podcast is Adam Badger of Badger Strength. Adam, welcome to the Get Over It Podcast. What's up, man? Thanks for having me. No problem. All right, so um, I wanna, like we do with all of our, our guests for the Get Over It Podcast, I want you to start by introducing yourself, right? Uh, what you do, and then we'll talk about sort of your journey there. And you know, then by that time, we'll get into good conversation about what's going on in your world, all right? So awesome. tell me a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and what's going on. Uh, I'm actually originally from Queens, New York. Uh, oh, nice. So I moved up to upstate New York when I was about 17. Uh, I own a personal training and online fitness coaching company called uh, Badger Strength. That's the original name. My online coaching business is called Consistent Coaching, and I'm kind of prepping for a whole new launch and, and reframing that whole process. Uh, yeah, that's that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> so you moved from Queens. Yes. And you, so you were there until you were 17. So you grew up. So, so Sorry, my bad. Queens till like I was like 10 and then Long Island till I was like 17. Okay, but so you're downstate. like, a, you're a downstater. Downstate. If I talk fast, the accent will start to come I'm out. I'm from downstate, so Where I know from? no different. I'm from Rockland County. All right, nice. Um, so, I mean, anything past like Harriman on the thruway is yeah. considered upstate, upstate to us. Yes. You know, it's like once people get out, they're like, you're in Albany? Man, that's like far. That's upstate. I'm like, dude, that's not upstate, really, is it? They're like, oh yeah, you're way far. I When I first moved to upstate New York, I, I moved to Clifton Park. And when anyone from downstate asked me where I moved, I would say Albany because I thought it sounded better than Clifton Park. It sounded less suburban. <laughs> uh, did you, I mean, I remember, uh, I never watched a show. My wife used to watch Sex in the City and they did an episode where they went upstate to Suffern, New York. Now Suffern, New York is where I'm from. It's in Rockland County. And they depicted it on the show. Oh no. Like, yeah. like, it was in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Like it was like woods and farm. And I'm like, this is nothing like where I'm from. What do you, we don't have woods like that. Like, but that's <laughs> just, if you live outside of the boroughs or the island, anywhere past the Tappan Zee Bridge, yeah. you're like, you're considered like a like a farm guy. And I'm it's, like, it's, it's weird how it's that is. It's so true though. Cause there's uh, actually, there's, um, there's phases to it. So it's like, there's like city, city. Right. So it's like Manhattan, yep. Brooklyn, right. all You're stuff. like a whole new breed. You're a whole yeah. other breed there. Then it moves into like more suburban Queens Correct. area. Then it's Long Island, right. which is opposite because that's yep. more south. Long Island's its own world. But like if you go, so if you go out from the middle, it's like it gets less and less city as you describe Correct. it. So then uh, upstate New York would be the epitome of the non-city people. It's wild. Now, were you always into fitness? Was it always a part of your life? Or like, when did you really start to take hold with fitness? So uh, when I was around 12. Okay. Um, not like in a way not of- Not like hardcore, like- So, so uh, yeah, we we'll dig into that a little bit. So basically I was like a really skinny kid. Same. But this is then it takes a takes a little uh, M Night Shyamalan twist in the middle. Is I was a skinny kid up until I moved to Long Island, and then it went from walking everywhere to now not uh, walking everywhere, but no changes in nutrition because I'm a kid. I don't know any better. Right. So I'm still drinking soda and so you're eat, gaining weight, gaining a lot of unwanted weight. Going into a new school, into middle school, okay. you start to have like interesting girls, things like that. So I'm the overweight new kid who also wore very baggy clothes and had bleach blonde right nice, here. Man. So not very popular with the ladies. 
and very insecure. Okay. So uh, I started just simply not drinking soda, not eating dessert, and I bought. Uh, I, my mom bought me like a set of five pound dumbbells, and I just started exercising. Okay, so you, you it, it grew out of, but you did. You had some sort of like awareness yes. and recognition that like this, the way I look is affecting the way I feel and the way, affecting the way people may perceive me. Yes. So I want to make a change. Yes. Which which is a, like a major step. I don't think people realize that, but it's a yeah. major step. And you had that pretty young. Yeah, and I think that there's a lot of pros to that in the sense of I, after that, I, I it, it just remained a cons- consistent part of my life. Now I'm 31, so that's almost 20 years. Um, the downside to it was that because I didn't have any guidance through it, right. I developed a very unhealthy relationship with fitness and food at a young age because okay. I associated it with either making me skinny or making me fat. Okay, so it was only about appearance, really. In, in the beginning, yes. It was literally just like, I am insecure. I don't like how I look in clothes. I don't look how I look in pictures. People call me chubby. Uh, now that I have a son, like if I was to ever watch him go through that, I know how it would break my heart. So like at that young age, I think your parents, are, or especially my mom was just like, Anything she could do to help, she right. could do. So she like you know was like okay, well you know trying to grasp at straws. We'll stop drinking soda, stop eating dessert, you know, start exercising. All good advice, but at a very young age, then I just started associating like dessert with getting fat. So it took me a while to right. actually develop a healthy relationship with food. Correct. Where like nowadays, I can eat a piece of cake and not feel guilty about it, right. and I know how to fit that into my and that's lifestyle. One of, that's one of the hardest things I think. You know, I was talking to Adam before we started. I worked for a fitness business before this and they had a, a um a coaching program like a like a macro type coaching program and you know i have my i at the time when i was in i'm like this is great but mm-hmm. i also start saw a lot of negatives to a lot of that stuff too and like it's very hard because people associate fitness working out mm-hmm. eating well to their appearance mm-hmm. and you know you should. I mean, like, it has a direct effect on that. Yeah. A lot of people that work out and try to diet or eat in different ways are doing it because they want to look a certain way. But it can't be, and it shouldn't be, the only reason why. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. Right? So do you find that when you work with clients, are they coming to you because they have weight problems primarily, and mm-hmm. then it's your job, or maybe through the process, they realize there's more to this, like their mental health, their emotional well-being. Yeah. Do you see a change, or do you, do some people come to you because they're just like, I'm unhappy in my life in general? Talk to me about what what you see. So I I've worked with, um, no no exaggeration, like I definitely hundreds, if not close to the thousand mark of people. I've been doing this for almost ten years now, full time. Uh, so there's definitely a spectrum, but I would say majority of the time, broad stroke the impetus to get someone to start is either an appearance, self-confidence issue or a health-related issue. So most times it's going to be someone who is very unhappy, doesn't like the way they look and want to make a change, or it's going to be someone who has some sort of health scare. Like, like high blood pressure. Or high some, blood pressure. Something like that. Okay. Or maybe just, you know, now all of a sudden they're 45 and they realize things are harder. So there's going to be some impetus, but I guess most of the time it's going to be appearance-related. And then through the process of coaching, you have, again, the the easy way to do my job would be someone comes in trying to lose weight, you get them to lose 10, 15 pounds and send them off happy. That that would be the easiest thing to do. Right. Because all you got to do is cut just what I did when I was right, right, You right. cut you food cut, right. and move more. Right. But the whole transformation happens more mentally, mindset, emotionally, understanding that there's way more to fitness than losing weight. Correct. So yes, I agree with your point. There's way more. It's not always apparent to people when they first start, which is why right. people usually shop for fitness only based on price. You know what I mean? Right. I'm going to get this $10 membership or this yes. $20 workout program 
because they're just associating it with the the weight loss results. Correct. Once they understand the right, the, and they want it quick. Like yes. a lot of people, the people want to lose weight in thirty days. They want to lose ten pounds, and they want to. But then, what? Like, what the other thing I like is like sustainability. So like, you can't if you're gonna cut yeah. hard and lose fifteen pounds in like a crazy amount of time by cutting all these things out. Like what we always say is like there has to be a way where it's it's sustainable over the long haul. Yes. Like you have to be able to find a, uh, I don't want to call it a diet, but you have to be able to find a lifestyle mm-hmm. that you can, you know, engage with and and utilize every day of your life as long as you live. And it's yeah. very difficult yeah. to maintain a cut where you're shredding, that that's not real life. So no. like, like, so talk to me about that. Like there is a, there is a place for losing weight. Like if you're mm-hmm. very, if you're overweight and you're trying to lose weight quickly, but then there's also a sustainability part where yes. it's not going to be the same thing. Right. So like talk a little bit about that. So the, the sustainability part is by far the most important part of any. So anytime someone's thinking about starting nutrition or fitness, my initial question is just whatever you're planning on starting, ask yourself, can I do this for 10 years? Right. And if the answer is no, no. then it's not probably not the right thing for you. Right. So if someone says, uh, I'm going to eliminate carbs. Okay. Well, do you see yourself being able to do that in 10 years? I don't know, I really like bread. Okay, well, let's find a way to fit bread into your lifestyle. Right. So I think uh, the sustainability aspect is huge. It's just not talked about enough because it's not sexy, it's not very marketable. So if you talk to someone about how to lose you know, 20 pounds in 30 days, they'll grab their attention. If you talk to someone about how to sustainably live a better life for 50 years, it's like, eh, okay, I'll get to that because I, I got 50 years. I'll get to it when I get to it, right? Right, right. So um, my... Uh, my approach to this is to really slow down the pro. Actually, and again, it makes me not a great salesperson, but a right, good coach. But like just like slow right. down the weight loss we'll get process there kind of thing. Right? Yeah. Right. So for most people I work with coming in, we don't get right to weight loss right away. First thing we got to do is for most people is restore their metabolism. Most people have that's destroyed that's metabolisms. Right. So we had to spend a little bit of not to get too deep into the boring stuff, but like spend a decent amount oh, man, of time. This is, this is the stuff. With, yeah, uh, I yeah. think people are interested like about that because I think metabolism is something that people hear about yeah. and they're like, well, I don't eat anything at all. Why yes. are I losing weight? Well, it's because you don't have any metabolism. So that's that's a good point. So I'll, I'll, I'll riff on that for a second because I have this conversation 20 times a week, right? So most, most overweight people that I've worked with in my life, the first thing they tell me is they don't really eat that much. Right. That seems to be a very common Correct. thread. But what happens is most people eat more calories than they think they do. Right. They just don't that eat a large true. volume of food. That is so true. So what happens is they don't have a lot of big appetite because their metabolism is very slow and they don't have a lot of lean muscle mass. So their metabolism slows down. So now they're only burning a lower amount of calories because they've shut down their metabolism over the course of 20 years of chronic dieting, you know, sedentary life, blah, blah, blah. Then what happens is somewhere along the week that, you know, the tipping point comes where it's the weekend and they look back and they're like, oh, well, I barely eat all week and then I'm going to enjoy I'm pizza or whatever. Yeah, right. And not even go nuts for most people. It's literally just they don't eat all day. They get to dinner and they're like, oh, I'm starving. And then they, behaviorally they go, well, I haven't eaten all day. I can be a little more lenient. Right. But lenient for them might be eating a 3,000 calorie meal. Correct. And if they're like, I'll have three slices of pizza, that's not a lot of slices of pizza. I mean, it's yeah. three slices, but calorically it's huge. It's huge. Yes. Right. So the comparison, one of the comparisons I make is, and this is a, uh, not as broad of a difference, but it actually is a very helpful is uh, a handful of like almonds is like 300 calories. Correct. To eat 300 calories of like pineapple, you'd have to eat like two pounds of Correct. pineapple. Correct. So people just look at quantity. They don't look at how many yes. calories are in it. Dude. So this is wild. So like, 
I learned this when I first started to do macroing. So for just everybody out there, like, and you could probably speak to this a little better than me, but I got so into it is that you have macronutrient and then micro, right? Yes. So like on macro, we're talking big level, carbs, fats, proteins. Mm -hmm. And then in micro, you're getting into like the nitty gritty of all the different micronutrients that are involved. And Vitamins and minerals. Correct. Yes. So like what I learned, and as an Italian, mm -hmm. what I I'm learned, Italian. what I learned <laughs> in, in macroing is like you said, you might not think you're eating a lot. Yeah. But the stuff you eat could be very caloric. For example, olive oil. Yes. So as an Italian, you just you know drizzle you just it. drizzle that yeah. baby all over everything. <laughs> yeah. But what I realized is that one tablespoon of olive oil is 14 grams, I think, of, of fat. fat. Yeah. Now 14 grams of fat is about 125 calories or something like that. Around that. Yeah. Around that, right? So. Think about that. If I, my target is 1,800 calories yeah. and I have a tablespoon of olive oil, yeah. I'm 10% of my way to my goal for the yes. day. Tables, and that's if I'm weighing out a tablespoon of olive oil yeah. and most likely I don't. So I started to realize that like, you know, obviously you, you know, people measure things. That's another story. You wanna get to a point in life where you're not measuring, but you kind of yeah. understand, right? But I realized at that point, how how sort of excessive you can be without trying to be excessive. With, yeah, without right? trying. And the people are like, well, I'm not trying to eat that much. Or you go in there and you have like, like there's Halloween candy around. Yeah. You have like a Kit Kat. You just ate 200 and something calories in one yeah. little Kit Kat. Yeah. You're not realizing that, but now you're, I'm 20% towards my caloric goal. Yes. So it's not about like you're saying that you, you think you're you're not being excessive. Yeah. I just had one Kit Kat, yeah. but calorically <laughs> it could become attention. excessive. The way is so I have, I have a, I have a like a, probably a, a, a mental notebook full of analogies that I use depending on the client that I'm talking to. But the, the one uh, uh, kind of universal analogy that works is comparing it to just finances to money. Because everyone has a yep. certain budget, right? So the way right. I the way I think about it is like it, it's the difference between paying for something in cash versus credit. So when you're paying in cash, you have to actually count out the money and hand it over. You're more conscious of your Correct. decisions. When you got your right, you're mom's like, yeah, credit man, card, I'm just gonna buy you're just like boom, swipe, 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 and you're not realizing right. the consequence. So with a lot of people, you're you're very correct. Is you know they they look at it as either. Uh, tr I'm tracking and I'm being perfect, right? Or I'm literally mindlessly eating all the time. My job is to find the middle ground. So right. I actually don't have my clients track macros because for most people, it gets too stressful. They, they get frustrated. Yes. What I own, I have them pay attention to just calories and protein. Yeah. Because if if you're just paying attention to those two things, you get the same result with less stress. And then the the exit strategy is as we're done working together is to identify the habits and the foods that they enjoy and they like right. to eat that can fit into those uh, categories or into those barriers and just develop habits around that. Right. So I find as most people ha already have habits in place and they have regular foods that they eat, they just don't realize it. They go to the same uh, Stewart's every day and they get an egg sandwich. They go to the same uh, restaurants every Friday, Saturday, Sunday and order one of three meals on that. So they already have routine. Right. You know, they're just, in, the routine has no um, structure, no like uh, accountability to it. They just feel like they're doing whatever they want, but they're doing the same thing all the time. Right. So if you can get them to do the same thing all the time, but make healthier choices and not feel constrained, right. it's a more sustainable Correct. lifestyle. You know, and the one other thing that I learned by doing this was, um, the difference between there's, so, so really the, and I, and I know like, I don't want to make this all about this sort of this, this concept, but yeah, like, yeah. cause I, there's other things I want to talk to you about, but I, I think people would find it interesting is that the premise is that 
as a, as a, as a being, as an animal, we require a certain amount of energy to, to be. Yeah. And that's our caloric, our, uh, our bait. What is it? Our basal metabolic rate. Yes. Like we're burning a certain amount of energy that's required for us to function. Yes. Let's call that 2000 calories, yeah. which is an energy gauge. So in order for you to lose weight, mm -hmm. you need to consume less yeah. calories than you require. Yes. So if you require 2,000 and you're eating 1,600, you should, you should over weight. time be losing weight. That's yeah. the premise of this, what it is. Mm -hmm. And if you're eating 2,500 calories and you only need 2,000, you're taking in more than you need, so your body's gonna store it for later. Yeah. And that storage can form in the forms of fat or it can, it can remobilize. So that's the premise. So what I, so when you're looking at that, what I, the problem I started to see was that if I was being super restrictive, like mm -hmm. super caloric restricted, um, you would crave, I would crave more, Immediately. Right? So then yeah. what happens is I gear my macros, I save, the, I save my money, mm -hmm. if you will, for like a brownie sundae. So yeah. I say to myself, I have 1600 calories allotted for today. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna eat 200 calories yeah. of, of healthy food, and then I'm gonna blow 1,400 calories later yeah. on a brownie sundae. Yeah. And I'll still hit my macro number, yeah. so I'll still lose weight. So I can eat like that every day and yeah. still lose weight. The problem is micro, yeah. that isn't good for me because I'm consuming yeah. 80 grams of sugar, yeah. which is terrible for your heart, terrible for like your, yeah. you know. So, that's where the balance has to come in, yes. right? And so when you become so rigid in the macro number, sometimes I like the counting, sometimes mm -hmm. I feel like you, you crave and you can lose sight. So it comes back to this holistic approach on it's, eating a well-balanced, you know, not too high, not too yeah. low, but a well-balanced, sustainable diet. Well, the, yeah, so basically like there's a difference. So you can, you basically program machines, right? But you need to coach human beings. So you can program the perfect calorie macro count to a human being, or you can program the perfect workout for them. But if you don't get into the psychology behind it and to their individual, their, them as an individual, you can't coach the process. So that's my job is to coach the process. So for example, if you were to start someone on diet and you were say, okay, for the next you know 30 days, you can't drink wine. Immediately, day one, they're gonna want wine. Correct. But if I tell a client, which this is real, this is what happens before, yeah, you can drink wine every night. It just has to fit into your calories. They will push back at me and go, well, no, no, I'm not going to drink wine every night. I'm like, okay, but you can if you want to. Right. That allowance and that permission decreases the, the yep. cravings, and they already then start doing it less. I've had people who start with me, and they say they're drinking three drinks every night, three alcoholic drinks every night. And I tell them, okay, you can still drink that, but you just got to fit in your calories. Because they have that permission, they I've had, had people just you know cut down to once a night, or they maybe they didn't drink for a month, and I'm telling them the whole time, hey, you can have the drinks, right? You can have the drinks, but, but just, you know, just you yeah. know, fit it into your allotment, fit it in. So there's this huge misunderstanding about flexible dieting, or if it fits your macros. The misunderstanding is that I can eat whatever I want as long as I hit my macros or I hit my calories. That's not true. Like you, the example you gave with the brownie sundae, the the purpose of tracking is to give you an idea of how much how much you need and then to find the foods that are the best give you the most bang for your buck of you know health wise right, that's what it is 80% of the time right the other 20% you can have the brownie sundae Correct. you can have the glass but of wine but you can't be 20 80 you can't be 20% it's good and then 80% yeah. blow it all yeah. on something that's bad so that and, works against what you're trying to do and it's funny is well, i i have you know i'd say i'm probably 60 40 female to male ratio of clients, maybe 70, 30, it tend to work with more females. 
So majority of the time when I intake a female client, we go over the whole process, a whole intake process. Anyway, I give them their initial calorie count. More, more times than not, it's around 17, 1800 calories. You know, I'm immediately hit with, oh my God. This is way too much it's Way food. too much. Way yep, too much. All the time. How am I going to eat this? I'm going to gain right. weight. Correct. I'm going to get fat. All the time. And what they don't realize is that all they the have probably been eating 26, 27, 2800 all calories. All the time. All the time. My wife used to do it all the time. She'd yeah. be like, 1900 calories. And she's like, she's very fit. She works out every yeah. day. I'm like, she's like, there's no way I can eat this much food. I'm yeah. like, you could me, if it was you pizza. Had, you had two Kit Kats earlier. Yeah. You're almost halfway there. Yeah. You just don't realize <laughs> you what don't you're realize doing, it. right? So like, but but yeah. when you're when you when you start to do that, you're you're eating more clean foods. Yeah. So it seems like a lot more to hit that nine that that number. Yeah. But it's it's so funny that always that always hey, always dude, happens all the time. And I had someone tell me I she said. uh, you know, I, I can't eat 1,600 calories a day. I, I'm more of a 1,200 calorie girl. I said, okay, well, when's the last time you ate 1,200 calories? And she said, you know, the last time I, I attract food. This is someone who's a new client I hadn't worked with right. before. Okay, well, I, I think it's way too low. You know, when you were eating 1,200 calories, how many days per week did you track and you knew that you exactly. were exactly eating? Right. She said, well, you know, five days a week. I said, how many weeks? Like three weeks. And you tracked everything? Well, well if, I had a, if I had a cookie, I wouldn't track it. Right. Like, okay. Right, so you weren't. Right. Nobody tracks everything. And yeah. Like you know, unless you're really hardcore. But like that's the thing. You don't really like that olive oil I talked about. Yeah. You might be tracking like your big, like your chicken portion. Yeah. But you're not tracking the dressings and the oils yeah. and the, the things that are adding to that. So, I agree that that always happens. One one question I think a lot of people would always ask is alcohol mm-hmm. in general. Yeah. Like a glass of wine or a beer, or people say we well, drink straight liquor, and then it's not. So calorically, right? If you read the back of like vodka, it'll say like, uh, no carbs, but yeah. there's calories in that. Yes. So okay. can you that's explain really, that? Can you explain that to people? Because right now they're listening and they're like, so could, if I have a if I have yeah. a vodka with club soda, it's free, right? Yeah. So, so that's so that's one main reason why I don't track macros. I track calories and protein because those calories have to come from somewhere. Right. So just because something has no carbs doesn't mean it has no calories, right? right. And calories are what cause weight loss or weight gain. It's right. not carbs. Right. You could eat 500. Carb is just a, a method of, calo- of calorie. You could eat 500 carbs a day right. and be lean. Most most lean people eat high carbs. You know, right. it's yeah. just that they, because they're fueling muscle and hard workouts. Yeah. So anyway, when it comes to alcohol, to just simplify it for everyone is if you are tracking, you're trying to be aware of your calorie intake, track the calories, make sure you're aware of the amount that you're having. For example, you know, there's 25 uh, ounces in a bottle of wine. So if you have half a bottle of wine, it's 12.5 ounces. You know, know that. Don't just say, I had two glasses of wine because that could mean anything. Your pour is different than my pour right. is different than Adam's pour. So um, yeah, so just pay attention to the calories on that. On the flip side, again, this is where like the coaching process comes, into hand, it comes in is, yes, as long as you're in a calorie deficit, you will still lose weight even if you drink wine every night. But also pay attention to how does that drink affect your next day? Do you get worse sleep? Do you right. recover less? Do, Are do you hydrate you? Crappier right. workouts? Right, right. So um, broad stroke, just pay attention to the calories on the alcohol. If it says zero carbs, it doesn't mean it's healthier alcohol. Correct. Pay attention to the calories. Because alcohol is caloric. Yeah. Alcohol I mean, a white, a white claw has 100 calories, but has no carbs. Right. Where do those calories come from? Right. It comes from the alcohol. It comes from the alcohol, <laughs> yeah, right. It yeah. comes from somewhere. Yeah. People might not talk about it outwardly, but um, I know it's, you know, every time they go to pick up that glass or they go and eat that food, I know some people now, especially coming out of this pandemic, which I want to talk about next, um, are thinking about their health. Mm-hmm. At least I hope, I hope they are. So this is something I want to talk to you about today. So the pandemic hit mm-hmm. and it obviously upended the world. Mm-hmm. And we talk a lot about, um, you know, we, we've talked a lot about why, 
you know, there was a lot of there was a lot of terrible disease, a lot of a lot of death, too mm -hmm. much death. It was awful. And um, when you look and you start to dig in, you start to hear people say things like, well, the majority of people that died from COVID were old, older, which happens a lot. Their immune systems get compromised or they have what's called a co another comorbidity. And a comorbidity is something, some sort of underlying disease. Mm -hmm. But the biggest ones were obesity, diabetes, mm -hmm. and heart conditions, all of which, you know, can be, Bet can be sort of negated or helped with fitness, with being a more healthy human. Yeah. And I think that one of the things that has not been spoken about enough, and I don't know why, um, coming out of the pandemic, is that the United States of America, mm -hmm. for all of our glory and greatness, we're not a healthy nation. Mm -hmm. When you do it comparative, like yeah. not in isolation, when you compare to other developed nations, we are not a healthy, healthy nation. And, and it could be from a lot of things. Our healthcare is a little different. Mm -hmm. um, we have a lot more processed foods. We're more likely to take up processed foods. We have income inequalities, which lead us to have that. But regardless, we're not as healthy. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping, and I'm wondering if you've seen this coming out of the pandemic in your clientele or your business, like, do you think that this will have a positive in some regard, people are looking at their health and being like, man, the best defense against any disease or virus mm -hmm. is being healthy, Yeah, primarily, right? I mean, yeah. obviously we have vaccines and things that are obviously helpful, Yes, but you need to be a healthy human yeah. first. So have you seen that coming out of the pandemic? I've, yeah, I've had a lot of conversations with people just working. Uh, I did a ton of uh, like free workouts and free seminars during 2020 when like things were shut down, just as a way to like, get keep people, people, going, keep people yep. going. And I knew a lot of people obviously through working at gyms and being a trainer who were very into fitness and you know, w whether or not they, it wasn't people who had like shredded six packs, these are everyday people who just know that the benefit of, you know, working out and, and eating right. So I have seen a lot of, um, in response to that, a lot of people more oh, just aware of their health and awareness can get you pretty far, but action gets you way further. So I think that when it comes to this specific situation, I think it's kind of woken people up to the fact of, all right, well, we don't know if this is going to happen again, or you know, this seemed like an unheard of thing. You know, what two years ago, we would never right. picture that. Right. You know, there's always going to be some risk around the corner, and the only real control you have is the stuff you put in your body and the the movement right. you make with your body on a regular basis. So, to short answer your question is yes, I have had these conversations with people. I just think it's important for people to just not let up on that the gas pedal of that mindset, as things normalize, don't go back to what you were doing before. Right. Make small changes along right. the way. Right, like, you know, like, we've had viruses since the beginning of time, yeah. right? We've had disease since the beginning of time. What has, and, and there, there was always a lot more death then. What has happened is we've had modern medicine, we've had, yeah. you know, this, this sort of technology that has helped us become stronger in that phase. But viruses in particular are opportunistic. Mm -hmm. They will exploit weakness. That's their job. Yeah. Their job is to look to find the weak and get in. And they don't want it, they don't want for everyone to understand viruses don't want to kill you. Yeah. That's not their job. In fact, if they kill you, then they die. Their yeah. job is to keep you alive enough, but sick enough that they can propagate and then have you spread it. Mm -hmm. And so they're opportunistic in trying to find the best host. And the best hosts are people that are not healthy and can't fight it off. Mm -hmm. And when you have other disease yeah. and all of that, your immune system is weak and you're more susceptible. And so like, you know, I, I, I think that um, fitness in general uh, has a, we talking about weight loss mm -hmm. a lot, right? Yeah. Yes, you wanna lose weight because losing weight can be the foundation for a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. But 
it's the other benefits like your immune system yeah. and your overall well-being, yeah. your overall mental state and yeah. your emotional, all of that. Because if you're depressed, if you're overweight, depressed, all of that, you're down, you are more open for exploitation by these diseases. Yeah. So I think that, um, you know, coming out of this, I really do hope that our next sort of like revolution mm -hmm. is in wellness, all around wellness. Yeah. Whatever whatever that is for you, it doesn't have to be counting macros. It doesn't have to be any of no, that. No, absolutely But not. whatever that is, take a look at yourself yeah. and ask yourself, how can I be better, right? And yeah. it, you can do that in a lot of different ways. Yeah, and I think it's, it's over, it can be overwhelming to people because there is, it's, it's crazy because there's so much information out there. So much now, but, right? But and so it's uh, what's that called? Uh, paralysis by analysis. Yep. Overanalyzing, so then you end up not doing anything. Yep. So realistically, I think most people know what they shouldn't be doing, but yes. most people don't know what, what they, should they should be doing, be doing instead. Doing. Yep. So they just continue to do what's comfortable. So that might be you know drinking too much. It might be you know eating too much sugar. It might be not exercising because that's just easier to do after a long day. But it, honestly, like it. It's very, it's so um, profound, like the effect that being healthy has, but it just sounds cliche coming from like a fitness guy. So I think, I think my hope would be for someone or some, you know, governing body or whatever, to, who's not a fitness person to start pushing this stuff more onto the general population. You know what I mean? So like, for example, if, you know, the Rock goes on TV and says everyone should lift weights. There's only a, a handful of people that are going to take it seriously because right. it's like, well, he already jacked. Right, because he's huge. Yeah, yeah, obviously. But if you see like normal, you know, successful people implementing this stuff on a regular basis, like it's not a big deal. It'll become less of a big deal. It doesn't have to be this whole beast mode. I go to the gym and I crush it and I track my macros and all this stuff. It literally could just be going for a walk after dinner. It could just be. Right instead of drinking five nights a week, drinking two nights a week. Right. You can start there. And right. you could, I mean, if you just drink more water, break a sweat a few times a week, that alone that, will that change That alone will help lot. you. People yeah. don't realize that, that that alone is helpful. Like yeah. water consumption is a big thing. Yeah. Like I, I, I get bad at it. I go on like these ups and downs with water. Yeah. But if there's something you can do right away from what all of reading that I understand is like, we're made of water. Yeah. We need water to, yeah. to move everything around. Yeah. And water is a, is a, is a major way. And I, I don't know, does, does it affect your metabolism? Like the more you- in Well, yeah, the, the more hydrated you are, the better you're going to just perform. The more so, efficient you're going to yeah, be. Yeah, right? so basically like your body doesn't naturally just want to, uh, prioritize lean muscle and fat loss. You have to guide it in that direction. Right. So if you're chronically dehydrated, sleep deprived, stressed- It's gotta do a lot of other things. It's gotta do a lot of other things. Right. So at best you'll maintain. Right. So if you can work on these other things, it's gonna be way more important than whether or not you eat the brownie. You know what I mean? The, the more important stuff is the- Right, because you could fight that off yeah. if you're healthy and you're functioning, right? If the, you feel good about the decisions right. you're making, you're going to be less likely to make poor decisions, right. you know? And there's, I mean, this could be like such a broad multiple hour conversation because there's so much human psychology that goes into it. It's not just, you know, food pyramids and this and mm -hmm. this and that. It's like, there's a lot of human behavior that goes into it that's affected by other stuff in your life that has nothing to do with fitness. Like, for example, if you hate your job, you're- more likely to drink, you're more right. likely to lose, right. lose sleep, like all this stuff that then leads to poor health. It's not just about being 20 pounds overweight. You could you could see someone who, you know, looks like you, great shape, but they might be incredibly unhealthy. You know what I mean? Right. It doesn't so, always yeah, have to do with being yeah. overweight. Yeah. 
Um, I want to talk a little bit about your clientele. Mm -hmm. I want to understand like a little bit about like the range or the type of type yeah. of humans you interact with. Um, do you see a range? Do you see an age range? Do you see like male female splits? Like I'm just wondering, like is there something overrepresented, or is, has that shifted at all, or is it fairly fairly consistent about in your clientele? So um, I think it's it's. Uh, it's definitely very broad over the course of my like career. I've trained you know, 15 year olds and I've trained 80 year olds and like any anywhere in between. I would say just by the nature of fitness coaching, the majority of people we run into happen to be in the age range of you know 40 to 55. Yep. Uh, you know they're already pretty established in their career. They have the the money to spend on coaching and they you know want to make a change in our positions to be able to do so. So my job really is to work with those clients so that I can build a, a business and be able to support myself so then I can put out more free information for people who right. may not be able to Correct. afford right. coaching yep. um, because there's a lot of like crappy free information out there. But I do work with a lot of clients and I, I was talking to you about this before we started recording is like I happen to stumble upon somehow to work with a lot of clients who are very successful in their careers. You know, CEOs, uh, people own very successful real estate agencies, successful law firms, CFOs. And I work with these people and these people come to my garage where I have my training studio in Clifton Park where they can go train anywhere because you know, they can afford to. But they, they some reason come to me. And the one thing I've learned from these people I, I've, is that people who are very successful in life, whether that means career-wise or maybe they have a successful in their relationship, you know, whatever it is, it's they they may, they prioritize things that they know are beneficial for them. So that means if that means working out at five o'clock in the morning, even if they can do nothing else that day for their health, they're gonna show up to that five o'clock appointment. They also are self aware enough to go. I don't have the accountability to do this on my own, right. so I'm gonna so hire, hire someone, someone to do it. So I, I, my my advice to people out there is, regardless of where you're at in life, if you can find some sort of system that works for you that encourages motivation or holds you accountable, you're gonna be way more likely to succeed. And that could be as simple as communicating with your partner and just letting them know that this is something that's important to you and seeing if they're on board for it. It could be as simple as that. It doesn't mean you have to spend hundreds of dollars on a gym membership or a coach. It just might be asking your husband or wife to go for a walk after dinner and start there. So finding a system of accountability and someone who's gonna you know, kind of hold you to that standard is very, very important. Right, so if you had to, if someone's listening to this and They've been hesitating for a while. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, they've, they've maybe recognized, bring it back to like when you were younger, remember, and you were like, you know, I started to feel like I needed to do something. Something was wrong. My confidence was down. But they're they're scared. Like, they don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're, they, don't, they don't know if they want to commit to like a gym or something like that. What is, some, what is the first step or a couple steps they can take to start to get into the, like a good, healthy mindset? What are some easy things they can do yeah. just to really break, Break it and start somewhere. So, so my uh, my advice, you know, um, right off the bat, would just be, and it's very simple stuff, and it's not sexy, and people will hear it and be like, okay, yeah, 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 but whatever, I'm not gonna, but it's very, it works great. Is eat some sort of protein at breakfast every day. Go for a walk every day. If you start there, like that's it. That's all you have to do to start. You'll you'll in in three months. Uh, you'll probably be a member at a gym. Like it's because it'll start the ball start rolling. To go. If I tell you to jo go join a gym tomorrow, maybe ten people will right. join a gym. Right. Maybe three of them will, will end actually up sticking, stay there, sticking right. with it. Right. But if and if you wanted to, like you know the. They've done studies that have shown that by eating like a protein source at breakfast, at, you know, as opposed to a carb fat source, people then made better choices throughout the day, lost more weight, e even if the calories were the same. 
even if you ate the same amount of calories and protein as you would have in carbon fats, that the fullness you'll get from the protein and the residual effect of that self high five to start the day was, oh, I stuck to that that goal mm -hmm. will trickle into mm -hmm. the rest of the day and you'll make other decisions that you'll be proud of. So I think if there's one thing, I guess, um, not to go too deep into it, but I guess if there's one thing beyond protein and calories and all that stuff, that's very important. But the person has to first, it sounds very holistic or whatever, but you have to actually believe that it, you're worthy of being healthy. And I know that sounds no, weird. No, I'm with you on yeah, that. Yeah, but I think I've worked with a lot of people, man. And like I've had people straight up say to me, like tears in their eyes being like, I just feel like I don't deserve to be healthy because I'm 50 and I've never been, you know, I've always been overweight or something right. like that. And we can, t we talk to them and, you know, we find that, sh you know, that childhood thing that maybe that's led to that. And we deal with all that stuff. But at the end of the day, like if you go into it with the mindset of, well, I'll try this thing, but I always try things and stop, you're probably going to stop. You have to at first convince yourself that you're worthy of being healthy, that whatever, even if you've been overweight for a year or 20 years, that that's not your your destination, that you don't have to stay that way. And it's, it's. I wish I had a simple solution to that big problem. Yeah. But like, it's true. No, yeah. I, I I think so. I think you can, you you accumulate mental baggage, yes. right, over time. And that's one of the hardest things to break. Yeah. It really is. But if you, you know, once you get to that point yeah. and you start to see it, yeah. that's when you really should really like jump on it. Yeah. Like you said, like, okay, I get it. Like you said, do something small, go yeah. for a walk. You know, I, I, I like to tell people like too, what helps is like, write it down. Yeah. Like, what did I do today? Like, yeah. oh, today I took a walk and I ate this. And then what, what that does is like, if you get back, if you fall back into a rut, you have something to physically look back on and mm -hmm. be like, remember those days where I felt better? What did I do? Oh, I went for a walk. I did that. And yeah. it's like, great. I can do that again. So I think it's just people don't always want to go into the gym and yeah. just start there. It's very intimidating. Yeah. I know that from just working, working at a gym, like, that was one of the biggest things I heard. Like, I'm going to be, people are going to look at me. I don't know what to do. And we would try, you know, we would try to say that's not true, but it doesn't matter. Like, it's, I get that. Yeah. It's completely- It's, it's true it's, in your mind. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So as long as it's correct in your mind, it's that way. So start simple and don't don't be a hero, as I always say. Yeah. Start simple, but start somewhere. Start don't, somewhere. Don't let it, don't let it keep going and going and going. Because but like anything else, the older you get and mm -hmm. the later you start, right? Yeah. The harder it is. Yeah, absolutely. Like the best way to be in shape in your 40s is to get in shape in your 20s. Right. But like the second best way is to just start today. Start, start, yeah, start today. today. Yeah. It's like it's like saving for your retirement. The yeah, early, the early, the early you start, yeah. the more money you'll have. Yeah. But just because you're 40 and you haven't started doesn't mean you can't start now. Well, that's actually an interesting. So it's interesting that you brought that up because um, not to go off on a tangent, but um, you know that's something in my just to relate to people like you know. Um, I'm sure you've had mental hurdles that you've had to yes. get over in your life. Like, you know, I, I don't know if you, you share any on the, the show, but I know it's called Get Over. So it's probably like some, some uh, aspect of that. But I know for me, that was a huge thing growing into adulthood was like having a, uh, you know, having like that uh, poor person mindset mm -hmm. uh, from growing up, you know, growing up w without money and all that stuff. Going into adulthood, I just assumed that that, that, was, that was normal. So I, I subconsciously made decisions in my early 20s that always was leading me back to being broke, you know, not, you know all this stuff. And it wasn't until I was able to fully convince myself through action and looking at evidence in my life yeah. that your decisions determine right. your your future. So I waited way too long to start start an IRA. You know, I waited way too long to start my business and 
to be honest with you, um, to give her, you know, a huge shout out, like it wasn't until I started dating my now wife that I started to realize that I could do more with yeah. my life than what I was doing. She helped you get over it. She absolutely yeah. did, you know, because she's a very determined, hardworking individual who just knows the life she wants and is going for it. And for me as the, you know, not to bring, I don't believe in gender roles, but as the guy in the relationship, I'm, I'm like, well, I'm not going to, I need to step up my game too, because I'm not going to be the coasting by. So she motivates me. I motivate her. And uh, for, for now, I like, you know, I have a, a home, my own business. I'm married. We have a beautiful son. Literally five years ago, I would have not done any of these things. I would not have had them on my list. I would, didn't want to get married. I didn't want to have kids, all this stuff, because I just convinced myself that I wasn't like worthy of that yep. life and yep. that happiness. So uh, to, to relate it back to what we were talking about with your health, like if you're used to just constantly being told you're sick, take medicine, Oh, you know, you're overweight or it's okay to eat this or whatever, whatever. Uh, convince yourself that, you know, fitness people are evil because they just, they're, they're just van right, vanity, right, all right. that stuff. You're going to keep right. pulling it's away. Feeding a bad narrative. Feeding a bad narrative, yep. you know? So exactly. So if I tell myself my whole life, oh, you know, nothing ever works out. I'm meant to be broke. I would, you know, never be in a position to support my, my son and, and give him a good life. So um, understand the, that if you are unhealthy, if, even if you don't, care enough about yourself right now, if you have kids, you are more likely to pass on these traits to them if you're taking back definitely care of yourself. Yep. And, and I've seen that. That's definitely true. Yeah. And and what I'll, last thing I'd say and bring up this point is like, my wife too works out. She's, she's very, she works out every day, yeah. just like me. And together, like that's very helpful. Yeah. So like, I don't go to a gym. Like yeah. I use online, you know, I have, um, you know, I do a lot of online workouts and I'm in my basement. So it relies on myself for yeah. my motivation, but I have her, yeah. you know, and we will mess with each other. I'm like, did you work out today? You know, yeah, like, did yeah. you, should we like, did you work out today? Yeah. And like, we do that now. Now we've gotten to a point where we can say that, like you guys yeah. got guys, be careful. Don't say to your wife, did you work out today? Yes, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, but like, yeah, you know, read the you, room. <laughs> you get to a point where we know that like, we're each other's motivation. Yeah. And like, if I see her on Saturday going down there for a workout, I'm going to think to myself like, man, I got to go work out. Yeah, like, I thought yeah. I was going to take a day off, but I got to work out. And that not, not, not everybody has a partner that they live with, but you can find a partner in your workout or you yeah. can find somebody that can, you know, say like, what are you doing for your fitness? Yeah. And like engage with others because it's a good way to get you going and to ha share it with somebody. If you could be in your own household, it's best. Yeah. And to reiterate the point about your son, I have a nine-year-old. He sees his mom and dad work out every day. Yes. Every single day. Yeah. And he knows it's a part of my morning and he'll grow up and there's, it's, it'll be natural for him to want to work out yeah. because he will know no, he'll know no different. Like yeah. it's a part of her day when she gets home from work. It's part of my day before I go to work. Yeah. So to him, part of a human's day is working out yeah. and being active. So not only am I setting myself up, I like to think that I'm setting up my kid for healthy, healthier decisions down the road because yeah. he won't know any better or any different than what he sees. Oh yeah. So oh. we control the environment. It's, right? it's, it is. And if you really dig into that, um, like understand that it, whatever predicament you're in as an adult right now, if you're someone who's looking to lose a lot of weight or make changes in your life, that that your opinion on how, what life is supposed to be like was formed at an early age. So if you can understand that and maybe trace back the steps and, and take some time to actually do that sort of mental work and go, okay, I'm not meant to be this way. I was just 
you know, subconsciously told that, you know, this is the way you eat. So this is all based on the decisions I've made. Right. So if I just make different decisions, I'll right. get a different result. Exactly. And I think that, I mean, like, for, uh, you know, you have a son, I have a son, like, uh, I know for me, like a big thing with us is, you know, making sure he's not eating a bunch of processed foods. He's, he's only one, but like, he hasn't had like processed sugar yet or none of that stuff because we're trying to set him up for a healthier relationship with food to understand that, you know, it's something that tastes good. There's a social aspect to it. Like we have dinner together every night, me and my wife and my son. But at the end of the day, like it is what you put in your body is going to affect you Correct. very much. Correct. You know, so if you're just shoving crap down there. No, it's, yeah. I know. So it's like control, like take care of your own self and then in your own house. And then if you can do that, like you'll create an environment where people will thrive. When I grew up, you know, I, again, I came from an Italian household. We were very family oriented. We ate all together. You know, we ate good foods, yeah. but no one was ever talking to me about like processed foods and sugars and things oh, like that. Yeah. No one was ever talking about workouts or anything like that. I got into it because I was so skinny and I hated the fact that like all my clothes would never fit me. And I was always, and I'm like, I need to put some muscle on. Yeah. So I got into that way and then backed into the fact that this is not only good for my body, how I look, but it's good for how I feel. Yeah. And so now I'm just trying to frame it that way for my, my kid. I'll be like, why well, do you work out every day? And I'll say, because yeah. I, if I don't work out, I don't feel good. Yes. And, that, and I put it that way. I don't ever say like, cause I want to be thin and I want to be strong. I mean, I talk about strength, functional yes. strength, but I think it's all more about because I don't feel right. Yeah. My day is not the same oh, if yeah. I don't work out during my day. So like, I I, I think there's, if, there's ways to speak about it, right? The communication is so, important man because again we just said like how the way you were communicated to as a child whether through uh words or body language or uh, just even action formed your opinion as an adult right so uh, how you communicate to yourself as an adult how do you communicate communicate to your partner to your kids it forms your reality like we talked about earlier your perception is reality whether it's real or not if i wake up every day and tell myself that i suck eventually i'm just gonna believe that i right, suck. That suck right yeah so i think how you communicate about your health and about fitness is very important because you can turn people off very quickly and i've learned this as a trainer in my younger days i was always you know the the stereotypical probably douche trainer who's like oh you gotta you know there's no excuses you know blah, blah, blah. and as i've become a more mature trainer and more mature coach you understand you have to meet people where they're at if I communicate to someone right off the bat, this is the first time I'm interacting with them, and I start talking about macros and calories and all this stuff, I'm gonna turn them off. Right. If I just talk about, you know, you know, what decisions are you making right now that you're unhappy with? What do you feel like do you, you feel? can uh, yep. do better? Yep. We start there. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. So if you're communicating to your children, uh, no, I can't eat that. I'm on a diet. You're gonna form their relationship with food as, oh, well, you know, mom can't eat that. And even if you tell them that they can, you know, I, I've read this study recently. I, I can't remember the name of it, but most, uh, you know, body image issues, you know, that adults have or, or teenagers have is not because of the way the parents talk to the children about the children's body. It's the way the parents talk about themselves. Their own body, yes. Yes. Yep. So, you know, no, you know, uh, I've, no adult has ever called me chubby as a kid, but I've seen adults around me in my life talk about how mm -hmm. they were overweight or they hated the way they looked mm -hmm. in that picture. So mm -hmm. as a kid, I had formed my opinion of like, having these body kids images hear everything, everything we say man. so that's that's always just remember if you don't think your kid hears what you say yeah. they hear what you say i feel and like adam sandler and big daddy is like the kid is always around always around <laughs> and always listening yo man this was really fun yeah i appreciate the conversation i hope everyone else out there enjoyed it before we before we go if people are listening they're interested they want to learn more about your business where can they go to find out some more information the best uh, the best way to uh, get a, uh, more info is to just go to my instagram uh, at, at badger strength b a d b a d g e r and then strength um, and then from there you'll be able to find everything else i have a podcast called talking fit with adam 
Badger. It's on Apple and Spotify. And I also have a free uh, Facebook group that I run where I put a lot of coaching content. I do free Facebook lives and, and, and work with people one-on-one for free. So if you're interested in any of that, just go to at Badger Strength on Instagram and you can find all that. All right, awesome. So I want to thank everyone for joining me. I want to thank Adam for coming on and doing the uh, doing the episode here. Just a reminder before we go, everything we talked about, if there are any links, we'll put them in the show notes for you guys to, to access right there. Please subscribe, leave a review. Also want to thank uh, our own Adam and over at, over at Studios, over at studios.com. If you guys check out this setup and you like how it looks and you want to see how you might be able to use this uh, awesome setup, you can contact Adam at over at studios.com. Hey man, appreciate it. Thanks so much. I appreciate it, man. Thank you.